welcome to the Door of Life Church podcast. Our mission is to share the love of Jesus with the world and believers, to teach them how to walk in victory, and to help them find and fulfill God's plan for their life. If you have any comments about today's podcast, please contact us through our website at dooroflife.org. Door of Life Church, where faith meets real life. God. Well, thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ, and we are washed and cleansed, and we are redeemed not with corruptible things like gold and silver. All the gold and the silver in the world was not enough to redeem you and buy you back to God, because you're worth more than all the gold and silver in the world. Your value is determined by what someone is willing to pay for you. Sometimes we'll watch the old Antiques Roadshow, and what would you pay for that? Well, we were on the block. What are that, what's that worth? The precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's your value to God. When Jesus said, Father, if there's any other way, any other way to redeem, buy him back. Three times he prayed that. You know, first he said, I'm the only way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And he says, if there is any other way, if there is any, no other way. This was our price. That was our value. That's what he paid. The blood of Jesus Christ. Remember that. That's who you are. That's your value that's your value to God. Not corruptible things like gold and silver, but that precious blood. Well, this morning we're going to go ahead and delve into the conclusion of a series that we started about walking in the Spirit and kind of getting under the hood on what it means to walk in the Spirit. It's a, it's a New Testament Bible phrase, and there's a tremendous promise that's connected with this. And we see in Galatians 5.16, it says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Wow. How many of us try and have tried for different things over years, mankind, to win that battle of the flesh, to not do those wrong things? And so in this new covenant, this new testament, we have this amazing promise that says there is a way out. There's a way to defeat anything that holds you. Walk in the Spirit. Great. Walk in the Spirit. Awesome. What does that mean? So, that's really the purpose of this series, is to really know what we mean when we say walk in the Spirit, so we can walk in the Spirit, so we can get free from the pull of the flesh. And we said, kind of in the first message, is basically willpower versus spirit power. The reason why we have to walk in the Spirit to not fulfill the lust of the flesh is because willpower doesn't work. We likened it to a tug-of-war game. If you got the, the, you know, the Apostle Paul said, I will to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing. The things that I will not to do, those things I do. The things that I don't do, those things I do. I'm, you know, and he kind of comes to the end of himself and says, ah, who will deliver me from this body of death? He tried in his own willpower to win the game of being good, and he couldn't do it with willpower. So like we said, if you got that tug-of-war game, and you got that, and it's your willpower on one side, and the law of sin and death is on the other side, you can't win that battle. That's why Jesus came. He came to unleash the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that can and does and is able to make us free from the law of sin and death. So when you're walking in the spirit, it's not just willpower versus the law of sin and death. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus versus the law of sin and death. And that has the power to overcome. So why a message like this? 
we need to understand and know how to walk in that power to get free from the flesh, from the pull of the law of sin and death. And we said in that second sermon, or should say the second message, um, the following week was um, a message on ways to walk. How do you do that? And the scripture is kind of vague. It says, just get spiritually minded, you know? Well, what does that mean? And so we kind of broke that down into like three spiritual food groups of things that we can listen to, receive, observe, watch. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So there's kind of a listening food group. But then we also said there was a speaking food group where we begin to declare things, declare the word of God. And there's this praying food group, different ways that we pour out our hearts to the Lord in prayer. So again, this isn't exhaustive, but the scripture provides many, many different avenues for us to get plugged in to that law of the spirit of life. And it's just a matter of setting our mind on things above that, you know, plugs into the power of God. And we said, you know, I've got willpower, right? My willpower isn't going to win this battle against the law of sin and death. But with that willpower, I have free will to set my mind on things above. And it's kind of like um, turning on a light switch. It takes very little effort to, to flip a switch. That would represent your willpower, a decision to flip a switch. But the power company is what's lighting the room. Not my willpower. I just decided to flip a switch. The power came once I flipped that switch and closed a connection that caused things to light up. That's what's happening spiritually when you're setting your mind on things above. You're closing a connection, and the law of the spirit of life is runs through that connection as you're setting your mind on things above. Again, this is kind of a quick recap. So, but And then last week, we, we kind of brought it over to the fact that, all right, so that's kind of cool. So I'm just setting my mind on things above. There's spiritual power. I can win this battle. And so we kind of know that, but then we kind of fall into a trapping of trying to set our mind on things above, almost like a new form of the law. You know what I'm saying? So instead of trying to keep track of the Ten Commandments or other rituals of law, now I'm trying to keep track of setting my mind on things above, and I treat setting my mind on things above like a law. And if I set my mind on things above, God's happy with me. If I haven't done a devotion time in so many days, God's mad at me, and all of a sudden I'm serving you know, in a paradigm like the law. And so walking in the Spirit, yeah, the law of the Spirit of life is going to make you free from the law of sin and death. It wins the battle against the law of sin and death. It is a matter of just setting your mind on things above, but it's also walked out in what the Scripture calls the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. In other words, it's not just what we're doing, it's the way we're doing this. We're doing this different than the way we used to do the law. We kind of made that reference last week, like if this side of the cross references when we were still under the law before Christ, you know, and then on this side would be the after we get saved, after we get born again. So we realize that there's a um, something that has to happen here. And this is kind of where, where it brings us up to this, this little review here from last week. We found out that when we became a Christian and I, and I came from and I called upon the name of the Lord something happened, and this is what happened. Therefore, if any person is in Christ, he's a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. My old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah, no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So what is he saying here? He's saying, when I became a Christian, right over, here, over on this side of the cross, I had two poles on me for sin. My inward very nature was sinful. My very nature was pulling on me to sin. I also had in my mortal body 
a law of sin and death that's pulling on me to sin. I had two poles for sin. But when I called upon the name of the Lord, one of my poles got nailed to the cross. All right? That inward guy died. I became a new creation. Now I, I still have a pole, but I only got one pole. All right? And, you know, this is where we can mistakenly error thinking that, oh, I still have a pole. I must still be the same old guy. You're not the same old guy. You just got one pole. Because even though your old spiritual moral condition couldn't survive the journey over here, it got nailed to the cross, your physical mortal body did survive the journey. So along with it is the law of sin and death, which is in your mortal body, all right? And um, it's important to realize and understand, too, that um, as you're dealing, as you're struggling, maybe with sins and stuff like that, to... um, and I know how this can be, man. It's like, man, I'm struggling with some stuff, and I wonder, man, did my old spiritual, moral, previous condition somehow slip past the cross? <laughs> did mine get past the cross somehow? It didn't. You're still here. It's kind of like that mall map you'll see when you're trying to figure out, where am I in the mall? And you'll kind of go to one of those big areas where you see the map and all the stores. It says, you are here. Okay, this is where I am. Well, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation, and you are still here, okay? Even though it can feel like you're over there, you're still here. This is a big part, and we'll get into it a little bit more, but that was something that happened. So I'm living in a newness of spirit. I'm doing this from a new place. Yeah, I'm setting my mind on things above, but I'm not doing it like I'm serving a law anymore. I'm doing it from a newness of spirit. I'm doing it as a new creation. I'm doing it different. And we find out that not only did our old spiritual, moral, previous condition not survive this journey, but something else did not survive this journey. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead. He has made you alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, he took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So the law couldn't survive the journey either. I don't have that coat over here. It didn't make it to this side of the cross. It has to stay on that side of the cross. We're serving in a newness of life. We're not serving in an oldness of the letter. We're serving in a newness of the spirit. All right, so that's what we saw last week. Yeah, we're doing some stuff. We're doing it different, but we're doing it from a different place. Like we said, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, but you're also translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. I'm under a new and better covenant with better promises. This is a whole place that I got transferred into. Yeah, do I still have a mortal body with the law of sin and death giving me problems? Yeah, I do, but it's different. It's not the same as it was before. It wasn't the same as it was before I knew Christ. Something changed. I'm getting washed. I'm getting changed from the inside. There's something that's going on in you because that change on the inside of you is still there. You're still a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. The old, previous, moral, sinful condition has passed away. Also, the law, what was it? It was our tutor to bring us to Christ. And I don't want you to think like, oh, the law is the bad guy and the spirit's the good guy. No. The law is the good guy too. In fact, I couldn't be over here without the work of the law. What did the law do? The law stirred up 
the sinful passions within me and reveal to me my own sinful condition. Jesus doesn't even make sense unless I know I'm a sinner. We needed the law. It served a huge purpose. You know, there's a whole form of evangelism. I think it's called the way of the master that'll kind of lead with the law. You say, how, how are you doing? How are you doing in living right for God? And the idea is it's supposed to bring you to a self-awareness that I, I'm a sinner. I have a sin. I am, yeah, okay. I guess I need a savior. And that's why the world is always over here justifying everything that there's no such thing as sin, so you don't need a savior. But the law is there to say, yeah, that's wrong. Say, ouch, help me. And I come in, okay, yeah, I need a savior. So the law is good. It was important. It was written there. It was written there for us to show us that we couldn't fulfill it, but it was also written for Jesus to fulfill it. Remember, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill it. Because when he did get nailed to that cross, he got nailed to that cross as somebody who perfectly kept the law. That was wrong. That was an injustice. What happened then at that place? He who knew no sin, perfectly fulfilled the law, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The law could impart righteousness to a perfect person. That's why it didn't work for us. But there was one who was perfect. And that law could impart righteousness. It was a merited favor. He got it. And then at the cross, he turned around and gave it to us by grace. So the law is important. I don't want to have law, bad guy, spirit, good guy. We needed the law. The law served an important, valuable purpose. The law actually is the thing that makes the gospel make sense. So we're not anti or negative to, but we just got to keep the law in its place, right? So let's bring us forward to where we're going now. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us, no, those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying, black cloud. Praise God. Well put, Message Bible. That's a good description for condemnation. It's like this low-lying black cloud you can never get out from underneath. You're trying to do it. You can't do it. But this is where it's different. This is part of the newness of life. There's no condemnation here. When you're walking here, when you're walking here, there is condemnation here. Before Christ, there is condemnation, and rightfully so. But after Christ, when you're born again as a child of God, a new creation from the kingdom of God's dear Son, living in the newness of the Spirit, there is no condemnation over here as you're endeavoring to walk in the Spirit. I love how Paul puts it here. He says, For if the ministry of condemnation, talking about the law, again, law is not bad, law is important. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. New Living says, If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much gl more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? Here again the message. If the government of condemnation was impressive, how about this government of affirmation? Bright as, the, bright as that old government was, it would look downright dull alongside this new one if that makeshift arrangement, temporary, impressed us. How much more this bright, shining government installed for eternity? So there's contrasting the covenants in the concept of condemnation, how we deal with condemnation. And so 
This morning, kind of the final piece of this, as we're walking in the Spirit, is we're walking in the Spirit in a way that is no condemnation. If you're walking in the Spirit and you're walking in condemnation, little bell should go off because that is not the way this was designed. If you walk in the Spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Praise God. There's, there, there's there now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so what I want to get at over here, and I'm just... I'm just talking shop over here. I mean, this is not just lofty little principles. I've been, you know, walking this out, working out my own salvation with fear and trembling. So it's, it's theology, it's scripture, it's dividing it. But there's a practicality too that I get, that I understand as we're trying to walk this life out, as we're trying to live this life out. There are inflection points that we are called to begin to change the way we see our world and our life and ourselves from this place. And if we do this walking in the Spirit thing right, we can walk and live in a place of no condemnation. That's the will and the purpose and the plan of God. But there's things that try to get us into condemnation. I'm just calling it, they're like pivot points. If I go one way, man, I'm going to stay with life and peace. If I go the other way, I'm going to get back under condemnation. But this new covenant, these better promises address each one of these pivot points. All right, this is where we're going. So we know there's no condemnation, but how does that work in real life? The first pivot point, no condemnation. There's a continual cleansing over here as part of our new and better covenant in the face of failure. There's going to be times we get over here. Just because I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, I still got that old mortal body warring against me, and sometimes I'll yield, I'll cave, I'll do the wrong thing. So how does that work? How can I live in a place of no condemnation when I still have a body that's fighting me? 1 John 6 says this, If we claim we share life with him, but keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not, and not living the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now there's two different contexts for cleansing here. There's a context for cleansing that happens as I'm walking in the light, the King James says, walking in the light as he is in light, keep living in that pure light. I'm walking in the light of what I know, what I have accountability for. When I'm walking in that light, there is a, it doesn't mean that I am absolutely perfect in every way. I'm still growing. But if I'm walking in the light as he is in the light, there is a continual cleansing from all sin. What does that mean? It means that my conscience is maintained in a righteousness place all the time. When I'm walking in the Spirit, there's no condemnation because there is a continual, active, working, cleansing power of the blood of the Lamb that's at work in my conscience. And I have no sense. Somebody could point their finger and it would just bounce right off me. When I'm walking in the light, I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm walking in the light. There is something of the work of the blood that maintains that clear conscience. But the Scripture says, you'll see in, in verse 6, if we claim we share life with Him, and say we're, we're walking in fellowship with Him, but we're walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and, and not living the truth. In other words, if I am walking in, I'm violating what I know to be right and I'm walking in darkness, okay, there's a duplicity there. And that duplicity is not okay. You have to do something about that duplicity. 
That's why he says, if he, he says, if we say we have no sin, if I'm walking in darkness, I'm just deceiving myself. If I'm walking in darkness, there will be something that affects my conscience. And that's where I'm confessing my sins. I'm receiving a cleansing of my conscience. And I'm restored back to that place of fellowship. Walking in the Spirit. Again, think different ways we think about this. What is it? It's setting your mind on things above. It's prayer. It's worship. What is the essence of all that? It's fellowship with God. When we sin over here in this new and better covenant, it breaks fellowship. There's a duplicity in our heart and mind that goes, oh, that was wrong. My conscience is bothering me. It's not that I don't have a revelation that I'm a new creation. I do have a revelation that I'm a new creation. But my conscience is bothering me. And we sung about it this morning, the blood, the blood. The blood has a ministry over here. It has a conscience-cleansing ministry. So when I step outside, again, what I know to be right, what I know to do, there is something that has to happen over here. And when we're talking about, let's just take a quick look at it. For if our heart condemns us, this is what happens when we step outside of fellowship, our heart condemns us. God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. Whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience, and he knows everything there is to know about us. What's condemning me at this point when I'm stepping? It's my own heart that's condemning me. Now, it's not condemning by accusation. It's more condemning by contrast. It's like, ah, oh, that's not me. I know I did wrong. I know that's not the new creation. You know it. When you yield to the flesh, you're the first one to know you yielded to the flesh. How do you know? Because you really are a born-again child of God. There's a contrast there. There's a duplicity there that demands something be reconciled again. I don't got to get born again all over again, but something has to get reconciled in my conscience, not my spirit, my conscience. And this is why the power of the blood has a ministry to the believer's conscience to reconcile and restore that sense of fellowship again. I don't got to get born again all over and over again, but there is a reconciliation, a reconciliation of conscience. And so that's the ministry of Jesus. We don't have a high, great high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses. He even gets the pull. He never failed, but he, he has a shared feeling and, a simp and an empathy for that pull. But he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we want, may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works so you can get back and serve the living God. You can go back and walk in the spirit again. So there's a ministry of cleansing at the point of failure. We're going to pivot one way or the other. This is where we got to decide. When I fail, when I sin, when I sense that duplicity in my own conscience, ugh, that was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I know better. I don't need somebody to point their finger. I don't need the law to do this over here. My spirit, my heart condemns me. By contrast, it's not me. That's not who I am. At that point, I got to begin to renew my mind like a new creation. Don't run from Jesus when you sin. You run to Jesus when you sin because there's mercy and grace there. There's only one thing that can cleanse your conscience from, from those dead works. Not reading 10 chapters of the Bible today. I'm just saying the way we can think. We can get back under the law. 
The Apostle Paul said, hey, if I'm building again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. God isn't calling me a sinner all over again. I'm not going to set aside the grace of God. I'm going to come back over here. I'm saved by grace through faith, and I'm cleansed by that precious blood. Father, I sit it, I said it, I confess my sin. But you, you see what it says there? If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse that conscience from the dead works. So when you're over here and you step out, you sense that duplicity, there's two things you're doing. You're confessing, that's wrong. Shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have done that wrong. Sorry, Lord. I not only confess it, but I receive something. I receive, I receive cleansing and forgiveness from that unrighteousness. In other words, that dark cloud can't stay here because I'm receiving something. If I don't really receive it, it's kind of staying here. But when I have purpose, say, I receive forgiveness and cleansing from that unrighteousness. Blood of Jesus Christ, cleanse my conscience from those dead works. I don't set aside the grace of God because I can only be made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can maintain a cleanliness in my conscience. There's a continual cleansing over here that keeps me from condemnation in the face of failure. I got to bring it back to the blood of Jesus Christ. Like you're saying, staying on the right side of the blood. I'm on this side. Praise God. It's a blood that saved me, and it's a blood that maintains my conscience. Praise God. Because whatever that step outside of whatever you did, it was paid for at the cross. It was taken care of at the cross. It's right. It's just. So when I receive forgiveness and cleansing from that unrighteousness, it says he is, he is faithful and what? He's just. Why does it say that he's faithful and just to forgive us? In other words, when I confess I'm feeling like yuck, the black cloud is there, I'm declaring no. Jesus Christ, I receive forgiveness and cleansing. It's a just thing for God to cleanse me in that moment because the, the sin was paid for. It's just. The price was paid. And so we're coming back and we're saying, yes, here I am, Lord. I'm living in that place. And this is where you're transformed by the renewing of our minds. Instead of being conditioned to try to make up for my sin, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and all really good spiritual stuff, we got to get reconditioned. Say no. Because this puts you back under the oldness of the lever. This is going to make you critical of other people, whether you like it or not. When you put yourself under this, you're going to put other people. It's like a, it's like a glasses you put on over here. If you got to do it, everybody else has to do it too. Sorry, just works that way. But when you keep those glasses off and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to set aside the grace of God. I'm going to come. I'm going to run to Jesus when I miss it. That's why there is a throne of grace. Can we come boldly to that throne of grace? When you're feeling the duplicity, you're not feeling bold. But by faith, you're coming boldly to that throne of grace to obtain mercy to cleanse your conscience so you can get back to walking in the Spirit. I'll tell you, when you learn that, when you get transformed by the renewing of your mind and Satan can't, you know, sidetrack you for six months because you did that thing again after your great record, listen, listen. Like I said, I'm just talking shop here today. You better come back by the blood. And you got to get good at coming back by the blood. When you come get good at coming back by the blood, that condemnation, that accusing voice of condemnation has no chance against you. 
you're, bringing, you're, you're taking it back to the cross. Yeah, I am here. I did that thing again. Yeah, but I'm still here in a great kingdom with a throne of grace over here and the mercy and the grace of God that stays with me. I'll tell you what. You prove him o'er and o'er over here as far as his mercy and his grace. And there's roots that go deep as you find that he's going to stay with you. He's the God who stays. He really is. And he's like, you're still here. Well, you're still here, Ed. Yeah, I'm still here. So what are we talking about? No condemnation. So there's a continual cleansing in the face of failure. When I'm walking in the Spirit, it doesn't mean that I consciously believe that I am perfect in every way. No. I could have some blind spots that I'm still, you know, not quite even doing everything, but I'm doing the best that I know in my heart. My conscience maintains a clarity. Now, as I get more light, I'm going to be accountable for more stuff, right? And I'm, this is growing up spiritually, and it's all good. But it's done in a newness of the Spirit. It's not done in an oldness of the letter. It's amazing. When you begin to get victory over the Spirit of God can actually lead you to do stuff. He might, if there's something that's bothering you, or, you know, Jesus said, whatever causes to offend, cut it off. The Holy Spirit in the newness of life could say, hey, you know what? I want you to just cut that off for a while. I just want you to just cut that off for a while. This is not coming back under the law, and you have to do this, and the whole world has to do this to live free. Not at all. This is not a legalistic law thing. But over here, in the newness of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit can speak to you. Hey, do some things. And it's a spirit thing. It's not for everybody else. It's just for you, you know, to just do some things that's going to help you to stay walking in the Spirit, okay? So there's things that can happen, but those are good. That's Holy Spirit stuff. Now, the other aspect of, um, we'll say, a pivot point of no condemnation is continual consideration in the face of temptation. And this is one that we've already alluded to regarding that mortal body, making the journey all the way over to here. It brought along with it that law of sin and death that's in it. So yeah, we got it to deal with over here. But there's another battle that goes on to bring you into condemnation. Not just failure, but temptation. And temptation, when, when you think of temptation, I shouldn't do the bad thing. There's, think of more in the context of what I'm talking about temptation here. It's bigger than just, I know I shouldn't, but it's, it's identity. Temptation isn't just trying to get you to do that wrong thing. That temptation is trying to get you to believe you're someone. It's trying to get you to believe it's you, your identity, and who you are. It's coming after your identity. The behavior is secondary. It wants you. And that's where condemnation is in that old identity. But there's a continual consideration in the face of temptation. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Praise God. So that sin might lose its power in our lives. One of those poles was completely destroyed. We are no longer slaves to sin. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Uh, Passion puts it this way. So let it be the same with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living for God's pleasure and union with Jesus, the anointed one. Praise God. You know, we had, a, we had a reformation I alluded to last week in the 1500s that got a revelation of Romans chapter 1 that the just will live by faith. 
There is, and that's good, but you can sense the Holy Spirit bringing it forward. The Bible, Romans doesn't stop at Romans chapter 1. There's some more things that we're going to be continually, continually considering. We were, our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin. Continually view yourselves as dead. Now, as we look at this and we consider this, we got to realize what the scripture is saying here. This is not just about, again, I'm new, I feel good, I feel good about myself. This is not, we got to look, this isn't just like self-esteem, all right? Ah, oh, I feel really good, I'm, I'm new. Well, there's a level that can encourage you, but it's much more powerful than that. This considering yourself to be new isn't just about not just feeling better about yourself. It is, it's true that you're new. I could kind of think of myself as new and feel better about myself, and the emotional inspiration of that could last for about five minutes, and I'm out the door. But when you continue in a truth, when you continually consider yourselves, if you can, Jesus said, my, you know, if you continue in my word, then you will know the truth, and then that truth will make you free. There is a continual consideration. I'm investing in this thought. I'm investing in this idea. I'm sowing to the Spirit. I'm taking time and thinking, declaring, seeing myself as a new creation. I could walk around all day and say, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm brand new. I'm a new person. I can say that. And I'm right in line with the Word of God. I'm right in line with the Scripture. But we find something that even though this truth is powerful and it's real, we have a conflict. And this is kind of, oh, let me continue here. I actually kind of did these two in one. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away, all has become new. The old previous moral spiritual condition has passed away. But we are not regarding ourselves, again, according to the old man. We're regarding ourselves, though. We're just not regarding ourselves to the old man. We are regarding ourselves as new creations. I, if I declare the old previous moral spiritual condition has passed away, that's true. Even though my body's fighting me, I can declare that, and that's true. Here's the, this is the one I want to get to. This is how the Apostle Paul described it. I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, not in my spirit, in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nation sinful nature urges or wars against you to do. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to the, miser to the sin miserable life. No longer, no longer it sins every beck and call. Okay, so in other words, what we're saying is, even though I'm over here, I still got that war going on. But I'm considering myself to be a new creation. I'm considering myself to be dead to the power of sin. I'm considering myself to be a new creation over here. So there is, in the same way, there's a continual cleansing when it comes to failure. There's a continual consideration in the face of temptation. And again, what is this, what is this a, a, an attack on? It's an attack on your identity. It's an attack on who you really are here. You know, Jesus, when he was in his earthly ministry, he gave us a two-question test that divided this entire world into two kingdoms. He said, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And how you answer that question 
determines on which side of the cross you land. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. I call upon your name. I am saved by grace through faith. That's who you are. It's kind of an interesting little side note to realize. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Sounds like you've got a free will. Sounds like you've got a choice in the matter, regardless of who says what. Who do they say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You don't have to go with the crowd, do you? You can hear the noise, but who do you say that I am? You have the ability to think and act and decide for yourself. That same two-question test happens to all of us over here. But it's this two-question test. Who does the Bible say you are? Who do you say you are? It's great to see this, but in the face of temptation, this is where I'm beginning to say, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am born again of the Spirit. I was created in righteousness and true holiness. If this wasn't true, I'd be delusional to say something like that. And that war of sin and death cries delusion when you say that. This is where you are going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're going to cave to the warring and come under that condemnation. Or you're going to, or what do you say? I hear what the flesh is saying about you. What do you say about you? What do you say? Are you really a new creation? Is this just highfalutin spiritual stuff to make you feel better about yourself? Or is it real? This is what makes Christianity work, is that this is real. If this isn't real, we've all got better things to do with our time than being here this morning. Let me put it bluntly. This is not a pie-in-the-sky thing. We really are new creations in Christ Jesus. We really are brand new. Everything orientates around that. Listen to the respect that's given you as you're reading these scriptures. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. It talks to you like you're a new creation. It's not, it's not wagging the finger, thou shalt not. It's saying, look, guy, you don't have to do that. There's respect in the word for you as you read it with new creation ears. I see that. Okay. I don't have to do that. Because when you're over here and you got that stuff in your head, you're determining when it comes to identity, did this come from in here or did it come from out here? And when that thing in your head, that temptation has convinced you, no, this is who you really are. To thine own self be true. You can't turn me off because this is who you really are. This is a battle for your identity. Temptation. Continual consideration. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, all has become new. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. What happens when you declare that? The Spirit of God amends you on the inside. And he'll say, yeah, that's true. Amen, 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 amen. And there's a battle from the outside, but there's a war from the inside out that says that's true, that's true. And you begin to believe that it's true. And you're not running away from the enemy anymore. You're standing and facing him because you know who you are in Christ. But you're continuing in that word till you know that truth. And it becomes real in your heart because it's true. I really am a new creation. 
It's an attack on my identity. Yeah. So here I am. This is a computer, you understand? This isn't the real you. This is the computer that's running you. This is the real you. Your heart is the real you. This has access both to the real you and to the law of sin and death. And there's malware up here that gets programmed from the law of sin. You might think it's the real you, but it's malware. That's why we need the Word of God to let us know what's from here and from what's out here. That's why we need the Word of God, even as Christians, to define what the flesh is so we can tell whether it's coming from the outside or the inside. That's why we need those things listed. Adultery, fornication, hatred, outbursts of wrath. It's not there to condemn us. It's there to show us where it's coming from. Yeah, that's coming from the flesh guy. Okay, great. I'm taking every thought into captivity in this computer from where it's coming from. But this is an important thing to understand when we're talking about that identity. In the same way, there's a continual cleansing for failure. There's a continual consideration. A continual consideration of who I am in Christ. It hasn't changed. I'm still a new creation in Christ Jesus. And again, this is where there's that powerful, what we call it, transformed by the, the scripture calls it the renewing of the mind. You're putting on that new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I can declare that and it's true. That's what the word says. That's what I say. And I do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, this is renewal. This is process. We have to be patient with ourselves and allow for process to happen. Because as you're renewing your mind, there's two things that are happening. You're installing some good new stuff, and you're uninstalling some bad old stuff. But it starts with installing the new stuff. There is something about getting the new stuff in, the power of the Spirit of God, that when you get that, when you see that, it completely changes. In the point of temptation, the glitz and glamour of the forbidden fruit, and I really shouldn't, but when the Spirit of God gets involved, that forbidden fruit begins to look common and familiar and the same old thing. And why was I all jacked up about that thing in the first place? The Spirit does that. Not this. I should live right. The Spirit, when I'm tapping into the Spirit of God, is a newness of Spirit that happens over here. And so this is important when it comes to temptation. There's got to be a continual consideration. I'm continuing in the Word to know the truth. This is a work in process, but I am continuing. So when, you get that, so when you're out of here today and you come face to face with that thing, that's when you can by faith say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And yeah, the mocking voice of the flesh will say denial, you know, delusional. But if you really are a new creation in Christ, it's not denial. Because the new creation has no desire for it. You understand that? It might be denial for your flesh, but it's not denial for your spirit. It's not denial for who you really are. I really don't desire it. I really was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. This is who I am. In the same way, we had to allow ourselves to really believe that that blood cleansed all of our sin. And praise God, we did it. We're here today. We believe in the power of that blood. We believe. I can't see the records. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I can't see the book. But I believe the work of that blood really cleansed me from all my sins. 
God's saying, great, you're in the kingdom. Now, hold that thought and keep coming forward. Not only can you intellectually humble yourself as a little child and enter into the kingdom of God by believing that Jesus Christ died for your sins, but we can also intellectually humble ourselves and believe that if any man is in Christ, he really is a new creation. Believe. What are we doing over here? We're believing something. I'm not trying to accomplish something. I'm believing what was already done. Praise God. And I'm free. I don't judge my freedom over here by the success of my personal consecration. I believe, I gauge my, my victory over here by well, the, the victory of the cross. That's how I gauge my success over here. The success of, he did it. He nailed that old sinful condition of the cross. Yeah, I might be, I might be at 70 times seven with the Lord, okay? He's staying with me. But at some point, he's staying with me until I get something. Do you understand? It's not about, and so in other words, it's not about, I can't repent from a behavior until I repent from my identity to that behavior. I got to change the way I think about it before I can change that action. I got to repent. There's repentance. But what am I repenting? I shouldn't do that. That's not the repentance. I'm a new creation. I don't need that. It's not that I shouldn't do wrong. I shouldn't do wrong. I'm not doing wrong because I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Remember when Jesus was over here and he was on the earth and he said, you know, he said, before Moses was, before Abraham was, I am. That didn't sound good to those ears under the law to hear somebody say that. You're going to be talking to your own flesh when you're tempted. And at the point of temptation, you can say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am born again. When Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, this is what he was talking about. He was talking about becoming a new person. There is something about this where he's saying, I am a new creation. I am created in righteousness and true holiness. There's something about me that has changed. And this isn't self-glorifying. This is bringing honor to the work of the new creation that God did on the cross. But if you feel like you're too humble to see yourself as a new creation, sorry, go back to the law. Because in this game, that false humility will bring you back here. I don't care how you picture it or gloss it over. You're not an old sinner saved by grace. You were an old sinner and you got saved by grace. You were an old previous moral condition, but now the fresh new has come. I'm not an old previous moral condition with my sin forgiven. We can't live that way. If that's our identity, the flesh is going to win. But when our identity changes, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus and my sin is forgiven. And furthermore, <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's a backbone. The righteous are bold as a lion. Oh, that, there's no boldness over here. There's a lot of pride and humility over there, but there's no boldness. Is it not the spirit over here that's going to tick the old way of thinking off? But this is new wine and new wineskins. This way of talking and thinking didn't work over there. And it shouldn't work over there, but it does work over here because we're believing that we really changed. We're believing that we're really new. And then finally, continual filling, all right? And this is in the face of weakness. There's another pivot point that we all experience in the Lord. And that's where, you know, there's certainly failure, there's certainly temptation, but there's just some times where we're just weak. I don't want to read my Bible. I'm tired. I know. Perfect theology. I know exactly what to do. I don't feel it. Don't want it. Ooh, who am I? 
You're a human being. And you can get weak. And again, this can be a pivot point. I just don't feel like, and so instead of doing this, I'm going to do that because I, I just don't want to, I don't want to mess with it. And I did that, and I should have done this, and I know I should have sewed that, and I, and this, and it's just, it's more managing stuff. But th- I'm just saying, like I said, this is my inventory of my working out my own salvation of things that bring me into condemnation. This is one of them. This is the last one I want to hit, and it's this. We get weak. We get tired. And we can get excited about spiritual things, and we are getting excited this morning. It's good. But sometimes we can build this idea of spirituality and connect it so tightly with this passion that I'm subtly trying to maintain this passion. And if I don't have this passion, ah, I got to have this passion. Ah. And I'm telling you what, it can be a heavy yoke trying to maintain that spirituality passion. We weren't called to maintain a spirituality passion. Is there a passion that comes? Yes, there is. But it's not an emotional place that I'm proving to myself that I really am living for God today. I'm just saying this will get you in condemnation right along with the failure and the temptation stuff right here. And if you want to live a no condemnation, walk in the spirit life, you got to address this one too. It's important. The scripture says, in the face of weakness, there is a continual filling. This is just some ground we've looked at. Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's, a be- there's a filling with the Spirit like we did this morning where we're worshiping God. We're setting our mind on things above. We're singing about the glory of the blood, which has changed us. That is powerfully filling up yourself with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Colossians 3.2 says, Feast on the treasures of the heavenly realm. Fill your thoughts with heavenly realities, not with the distractions of the natural realm. When you just even take some time by yourself and say, hey, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. The old has passed away. I really am created in righteousness and true holiness. And listen for the second sermon on the Holy Spirit to amen you. You take some time and begin to do some things. You begin to feast on those treasures. You invest in believing this is really true. This is really true. It has a filling effect. Everyone who Everyone who's present, this is talking about Acts chapter 2, was filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them ability. There's a speaking in the Holy Spirit that builds you up spiritually on your most holy faith, that fills you up. These are, again, this is just a quick little summary recap of ways to walk, different ways that we can get filled with the Spirit. But as we're doing this, again, and I'm tired, I know, my, I know I'm on E spiritually, I'm tired, I'm, I'm not feeling. In, in other words, temptation is coming at me, and it's like, man, it feels like temptation is going to win. I don't really have a desire. This is right here where I'm recognizing something. I'm just weak. That's all. When my car is near E on empty, it's just about out of gas. I don't have to throw my car away. Good car. (laughs) I don't have to throw myself under the bus for being weak either. You just need some more gas, right? You're still a good car. You're still a new car. I know you feel like yuck, but you're still a good car. You're still created in righteousness and true holiness. You just need to get some gas in that thing. You know, when you take your car to get gas, it is in probably the, the least res- active state. I mean, it's, it's inactive out here in the parking lot, but you, you put it at the gas station, you park it, 
and you turn it off. You got to turn it off. It is chill. When your car is getting filled, it is chill. It is not, you know, I got to do, I got to read five chapters. I'm going to get filled up. I gotta, I gotta, you know, I'm just saying, again, that persona that comes on us. How do we get filled? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to park, to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters where there's the refreshing waters. He restores my soul. He leads me. I love that. He, he restores my soul, fills my tank, and then I can drive off into those paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But first things first, I got to lie down. So as I'm thinking, I'm tired, I'm weak, and oh, I got to do all this spiritual stuff to get full again. Don't think of it that way. Say, no, I got to lie down. I got to lie down in some green pastures. Let me give you a little practical something. If, there can be some music stuff too that can be like instrumental. Music is powerful. It can encourage you. Sometimes it can just be soft, beautiful instrumental music that can just get your mind to help you relax and lie down and begin to think and listen to the Holy Spirit and pray. But as you're getting filled, this is a restful activity. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. So again, this expectation of passion to show that I'm, yeah, we want to be full. We want those tanks to be on full. But they're not going to be full. We're, we're burning some stuff out. God's using things. He's, he, he might be pouring into you in that morning devotion time, and you're giving out from it all day long. Well, that's great. Burn up that good fuel he put on the inside of you. But then it's like, you know, the Hebrew children. You can't keep and stock up manna forever. You got to get that daily bread, that daily dependency, that daily walk, that daily walk in the Spirit. That's part of it. But I'm realizing, yeah, man, I just feel like horrible, bad. Oh, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm low. I just need to, I need to come aside here. I just need to find something. Again, it could be some music. There could be a certain playlist. There's what I'm, and why am I saying things like that? Because when you're here, you're in a weekend state. And you're not like thinking a lot deep spiritually. It's, it's nice to have some go-to stuff. It's nice to not have to think and go to something. And so the Lord told me, he said, Ed, stop trying to be spiritual. Go where spiritual is and I'll fill you up. And so that's a, this is the gas station. So it's good, especially while you're already strong or while you're filled. Say, hey, what, what's the stuff that really fills me up? Prepare ahead of time. Know the gas station. Chart your course. Prepare that thing for yourself. There's some things, and again, that's nothing that I can tell you to do. That's just something between you and the Lord. Things that bless you, things that are going to just, you know, get your heart and mind thinking in the right place. And then finally, this, this, you know, Thessalonians says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There's a continual flow. There's just a continual fellowship. There's just, a, what is this? This isn't, again, this is not over here trying to, my gosh, now I got a 24-7 prayer closet that I got to be over here. Not at all. This is, um, this is just a newness of the Spirit that I can just walk in continual fellowship with God. And what happens when you walk in the Spirit? We know that if I walk in the Spirit, I don't fulfill the lust of flesh. That's great. That's what we're after. But there's something else that happens when you walk in the Spirit. You produce the fruit of the Spirit. When you begin to walk in here and you get transformed by the renewing of your mind, something happens to you over here. It produces the kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace. You can be over here. You can just be saying, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you come face to face with that old temptation. You go, I really am a new creation. And there can be the joy of the Lord springs up. Wow, it's really true. Yeah. Just some fruit happening as you're walking in the spirit. 
It'll just happen. This stuff happens. Peace, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Man, I would have, boy, just yesterday I would have reacted totally different. I got patience, right? I didn't have patience before. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the evidences that'll keep you walking in the spirit. Yeah, you get free from that law of sin and death. But man, something big really happens too. It begins to change you from the inside out. What's on the inside of you begins to, you get transformed by the renewing of your mind. You begin to install who you are in Christ instead of being told who you are over here. Over here, that's not the real you. You're just believing a lie. Here, you're believing the truth, uninstalling the lie and being who you are in Christ. And I'll tell you, there's something when you come over. It's like, man, I was, I was almost kind of afraid to be who I really am in Christ because I thought it would be like, like less than of what was going on out here. It's better than what's going on out there. It frees up the resources of your mind and your heart and you think faster, you're quicker, you're smarter, you observe things because the clutter of condemnation isn't there. It's not that you really become smarter, it's like you are, you are walking and living with the ankle weights of condemnation. And when those ankle weights come off your mind, you have a freedom to think and clear and there's a creative, your creative being gets full expression, that new creation in Christ Jesus. There's a continual cleansing in the face of failure. Don't have to cave to failure. Did you fail? Well, there's a throne of grace to obtain mercy, to cleanse your conscience. In the continual consideration, in the face of temptation, that thing's coming for your identity? That's me. No, that's not you. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You not only got forgiven, you got born again. You got made new. You really are that new person. This is between you and God as far as how real this gets. But I'm just saying, this is where everything else will start to make sense. The Bible will read different when you read it like a new creation. Continual filling in the face of weakness. I'm not trying to maintain a passion. I'm coming. I'm resting. I'm reposing. Ah, Lord, IV drip me with the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. All right. Thank you, Lord. Restored. So praise God. So Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we can walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I just pray right now, Father, that you just minister to each one of us again by that good second sermon of the Holy Spirit. Show us what this means, that we can really live free from condemnation, that that black, dark cloud doesn't have to follow us around anymore. You first saw that thing, and you provided a way for us to live free, Father, from the, the condemnation of failure and temptation and weakness, Lord. Go ahead and make this a declaration of faith, if your heart can agree. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I want to walk in the Spirit. This is a new and living way. Help me to think different. Help me to see myself as forgiven, as cleansed, and as a new person. That I really am a child of God. On the inside, I pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation to open my eyes and unveil who I really am. Thank you, Father. There is freedom from condemnation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.